Harvest New Beginnings Church is located in Oswego, Illinois. We exist for God's glory alone, encouraging each other to have a deep love for God and a sincere love for people. This message is brought to you by Pastor Scott Poling. My daughter and son-in-law were up visiting from Georgia last week. And uh, my daughter right now has a very, very important job. She is carrying my grandson. And I mean our grandson, yes, my wife's grandson as well. And, uh, and she, you know, this, this little kid looks just like me. I'm just telling you, see that little baby bump right there? <laughs> my wife is so excited about my daughter being pregnant. Yeah, she's already picked up this bassinet at a garage sale. I mean, she is just thrilled, all right? And, but we're not the only ones expecting an addition to our family. As a matter of fact, there will be 360-some thousand births today. 15,000 births worldwide while you're sitting in this service. 250 births a minute, four births every second. That's a lot of babies, people. Well, I'm praying for the development and the birth of our daughter's little one. Um, yes, his physical health. My daughter lost a baby last year, so we're, we're praying for her and that little one. But, but I'm also praying for the spiritual health of that little one. It's one thing to be born into a family. It's another to be born into the family of God. It's one thing to be born. It's another thing to be born again. And I want you to turn to a passage this morning where the term born is used eight times in eight verses. John chapter 3. Jesus will use this term as well as another man eight times in eight verses. Now I want you to eavesdrop in on this conversation. This conversation that Jesus is having with a very important, highly educated religious leader in the nation of Israel. And Jesus is going to school him on all things born again. We're continuing our series in John. We've titled it Glory Among Us. And we've seen glory. We've seen glory turn water into wine, and we've seen glory cleanse the temple, and, and we've seen glory tick off the merchants and the Jewish authorities, and we've seen glory, we're told, perform many more signs that we're not even told of, and people have responded to those signs, some not sincerely so, and we're told that Jesus would not entrust himself to man because he knew what was in the hearts of men, and he knows what's in the heart of the man he's talking to in this passage. I want you to listen in on this private conversation between Jesus and a very important religious leader in Israel. John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you've come from God as a teacher For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born 
of the Spirit. All things born again. That's what the whole passage is about. Well, what do we learn? You must be born again because one, dedicated religious sincerity won't cut it. Now, we're talking about a very religious person. We're talking about Nicodemus. His name means victor over the people. And please remember this to start off with. If you think Nicodemus is a patch to quit smoking, you might need to stop sleeping through the sermon. Okay? We're not talking Nicoderm. We're talking Nicodemus. Who is this guy? He's a Pharisee. He's an elite religious ruler in a very important party of the Jews. Years of religious and theological training he's gone through. He's lived by the strictest religious codes all of his life. The Pharisees were called the separated ones. They were zealous for the Mosaic law more so than anybody else. Now, he's one of the top religious leaders in the nation. We're told he's a ruler of the Jews, a member of the Sanhedrin. There's only 70 of these guys in the entire nation. This is a powerful group of men. They are responsible for the religious direction and decisions of the nation of Israel. And you know what Jesus says to this guy? It's not enough. Born a Jew, raised in a religious home is not enough. Years of religious and theological training, not enough. Your prestigious spiritual leadership and title in this nation, not enough. Abiding by the strictest religious requirements of the law, not enough. It is not enough, Nicodemus. You must be born again. Everyone must be born again. No exceptions. You must be born again. Paul made it very clear in Philippians chapter 3. Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh. If anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, the apostle Paul said, I far more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness which is in the law, found what? Blameless. How many people could say that? But whatever things were gained to me, those things I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, refuse. The stuff you flush down a toilet, that's the word. So that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through what? Faith in Christ. The righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. So righteousness in God's eyes is not found in my family heritage that I grew up in a Christian home, like many of you have. Righteousness in God's eyes is not found in religious observances, even the strictest of religious observances. Righteousness in God's eyes is not found in trying to be a good person. To be born again is to be born of faith. Faith in Jesus. 
This man comes to Jesus as a very religious person, but I also believe he's a fearful person. And there's discussion on this. We're told in verse 2 that he comes to Jesus by night. I believe he comes by night not just for an extended conversation. I believe he's hiding in the shadows. I truly believe that. I don't think he wants other religious leaders to know that he's there. He doesn't want the people to see that he might be curious about talking to Jesus, who just cleansed the temple and is not in, in good you know, situation with the religious leaders right now. So he comes to Jesus by night. But I want you to notice how approachable Jesus is. He's very approachable. You know, I find this funny as a religious leader myself. Sometimes as a pastor or a spiritual leader in church, we're told, you're not approachable. You're not approachable. You need to be more like Jesus and approachable. This guy just made a whip and chased merchants out of the temple. He's approachable? This is the guy flipping over tables in the temple, quoting scripture and running people out of church approachable. Don't say people aren't approachable if you're not willing to approach them. Because the, fear, the, the, the reality is, it's not that people aren't approachable. The reality is you're fearful of approaching. Be willing to approach people. This guy, in a sense, overcomes his fears. Because Jesus isn't really approachable for what he's just done. Jesus is very strong, but Jesus is very approachable. And that's exactly how you and I should be, especially when it comes to this unsafe world. This unsafe world should be able to come to us at any time and ask us questions. This unsaved world, at any time, we should be able to give the time and and energy to If someone is struggling in their life, if someone is wondering what's going on spiritually, if someone has questions, you drop what you're doing because their soul is on the line. Always make time for people who have questions about God. He's religious, fearful, but overcoming his fear, but he's very respectful. Look what he says. He says, Rabbi, we know that you've come from God as a teacher. So he uses these titles of respect, rabbi and teacher of Jesus. And recognizing Jesus has no formal training and he still calls him rabbi and he still calls him teacher. That's pretty respectful. But he's also very disrespectful. Because he puts Jesus on the same level as himself. Rabbi to rabbi, teacher to teacher. And Jesus is much more than a rabbi or a teacher. And Jesus is much more from God. He is God. Now, we can't deny that he's religious and that he's respectful and that he's also very sincere. Nicodemus is very sincere. He can't deny the evidence. He says, Rabbi, we know you've come from God. No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And he says, we know. In other words, he's not alone. He's representing other Jewish authorities that are not against Jesus. Other religious leaders, not all of them are opposing Jesus. Not all of them are attributing Jesus' miracles to the works of Satan. So he says, we know. There's talk among some of us. You are from God. You're a teacher of God. You've come from God. God is with you. Praise God for people who are sincere. 
who refuse to fight the obvious when God is at work. When you see the hand of God and you know God is at work, allow God to draw you to himself. And don't fight it. Nicodemus is not fighting it. He's not fighting the work of God. Don't fight the work of God in your life. Don't fight the work of God around you. Let him draw you to himself. And he's drawing closer to Jesus, not fighting Jesus. He's drawn to the power of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the stand of Jesus, the grace of Jesus. He's drawn to Jesus. And some of you here this morning are being drawn to Jesus. You're not believers yet. But you're fascinated by by God and things spiritual and who Jesus is. Keep letting him draw you. All things born again. Dedicated religious sincerity is not going to cut it. Secondly, born again is an absolute requirement for the kingdom of God. Say it with me. Is an absolute requirement for the kingdom of God. And we have this famous verse in John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Notice something very important. Jesus does not address Nicodemus' observations. He doesn't talk about his teaching and coming from God with Nicodemus. He doesn't discuss the signs and the miracles that he's done with, with Nicodemus. Nicodemus has brought them up. He doesn't confirm that God is with him or that he is God. He doesn't even talk about these things. What does Jesus do? He completely changes subject. Completely changes subject. And he gets personal with Nicodemus and spiritually in his face. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cuts right to the chase. With an emphasis, truly, truly, you better hear me out on this. I say to you, let's not talk about me, let's talk about you. Let's not talk about seeing God's kingdom, let's talk about whether you're in God's kingdom. Let's not focus on, 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 on me, let's talk about your spiritual need before God. And sometimes, friends, that's exactly what you and I need to do when we witness to people. Cut the small talk and get right to the point where they are spiritually. Right now in my neighborhood, everybody and his uncle wants to replace my roof because of hell. You guys too, I'm sure some of you. And every day, multiple people from multiple companies are coming by, knocking on our door, wanting to get up on our roof and show us that we need to replace our roof and work through insurance to replace our roof because they care so much about us. So Eli came to the door the other day, and he wants to fix my roof and, and, and this past week. And, and, and I didn't have time with Eli, much time, because I know Eli is going door to door to door to door to door. And so what did I say? I said, Eli, I know you're busy. You're going door to door. I don't know where you are spiritually. I want you to know that God is real. He sent his son to die for you. You're a sinner, and Jesus will save you from your sins. He wanted to talk about roof. I went right to his soul. Because that's what we got to do sometimes. I did the same thing with Charlie. (laughs) Charlie came to the door. 
Charlie, Char, Charlie, you need Jesus. He died on the cross. I don't know where you are spiritually. It doesn't matter what your church background is. There is a God in heaven. He loves you. He sent his son, Charlie. And Charlie wouldn't have been talking to me about, well, I understand that I need to keep the seven commandments. <laughs> and I thought, I don't know what happened to the other three, but I'm not about to talk to him about that. <laughs> and I went, I just hit him right between the eyes. You need Jesus. Sometimes that's what we have to do. Get away from this. Well, I got to build a relationship with them and I got to get to know them. And it's a lifestyle evangelism. Tell them about Jesus. That's all that matters. They need to know about Jesus. And sometimes you don't have time to do anything else. And that's exactly what Jesus does with Nicodemus. He went right to the heart of his problem. You've got to be born again, which can also be translated born from above. You need to be born again, born from above. Both refer to the spiritual transformation that needs to take place. You need a supernatural birth. If you do not have a supernatural birth, there is no kingdom of God for you. If you are not born again, you are not going to be welcomed into the kingdom of God. There's a line from an old Negro spiritual that says this, heaven, heaven, everybody talking about heaven ain't going there. There's a lot of people talking about heaven that ain't going there. And that's exactly what Jesus is singing, so to speak, and saying. Not everyone is going to see the kingdom of God. Don't kid yourself. Most of this world thinks they're going to heaven. They're not. Most of this world talks about other people like they've gone to heaven. Most have not. We sung a song just a little bit ago. The way is narrow. It's a narrow way. The way is wide to destruction. Matthew chapter 7 verse 14. Not everyone is going to the kingdom of God. What does that mean, the kingdom of God? It means God's sovereign rule. It means the kingdom of the redeemed. It means heaven in the broadest sense. It means eternal life. It means regeneration of this world. It's Matthew 19, 28 and 29. Jesus said, truly I say to you that you who have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne. You also shall sit upon 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who's left houses and brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or children or farms for my sake will receive many times as much, say it with me, and will inherit eternal life. That's the kingdom of God. Eternal life. Heaven. Now, in verse 3, he says, unless you're born again, you're not going to see the kingdom of God. You're not even going to get close. You can't even catch a glimpse of it from a distance. You're not going to see the kingdom of God. Now jump down to verse 5. And he says, you're not going to enter the kingdom of God. You're not going to see it. And you're not going to enter it. It's real clear. The kingdom of God is completely off limits unless you are what? Born again. There is no kingdom of God for you unless you were born again. You will not see the kingdom of God unless you were born again. This had to shock Nicodemus. He's one of the top religious leaders in the nation. Years of training and theological schooling 
perfect temple attendance, I'm sure. Religious title, position, keeper of the Mosaic law, not to mention, really good person. He's got to be going to heaven. He's a really good person. It's nothing. It all means nothing unless you're born again. A lot of people talking about heaven ain't going there. And some of you in this room are not going there. Because you think you're a good person. And you think you go to church once in a while. And you think you serve. Or you give money. A lot of people think they're going to heaven. And they ain't going there. Listen very carefully. Your church membership means nothing if you're not born again. Your baptism means nothing unless you're born again. Your tithing and serving mean nothing unless you were born again. Your good deeds and being a good person mean what? Nothing unless you're born again. Says who? Says Jesus, the only one that can get you there. You must be born again. You must be radically and spiritually transformed from above. Remember the thief on the cross? He cried out to Jesus in Luke chapter 23. Remember me when you come into your kingdom because I've been baptized and been a church member and been serving faithfully. No, just remember me. And Jesus said to him, say it with me. Truly, I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. It is faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. You must be born again. But it raises a question. Jesus says you're not going to see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. So what are you going to see? If you're not going to see paradise, and you're not going to see heaven, and you're not going to see the kingdom of God, you're going to see judgment. The judgment of a holy God that you rejected his grace. Revelation 20, verse 11. You know what you're going to see? You're going to see a great white throne. And him who sat upon it from whose presence earth and heaven fled away. No place was found for them. What are you going to see? I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. And books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, if anyone who was not born again, he was thrown into the lake of fire. What are people going to see who are not born again? They're going to see a great white throne. And it's going to be overwhelming. For even heaven and earth were told, flee away. You're going to see Jesus, all right, but you're going to see Jesus as judge. John 5.22 says, not even the Father judges anyone. He's given all judgment to who? To the Son. 
the son who came to save your soul, who died on, your, on the cross for your sins, now becomes your judge because you've rejected him. You're going to see books open, books of evidence against you. It will be a closed case. You deserve the hell. You deserve the judgment of a holy God. You, you will see the book of life. And your name is not written in it because you were never born again. You will see the lake of fire and you will be thrown into the lake of fire. Why don't you understand? You're either going to see the kingdom of God or you're going to see the judgment of God. There is no in between. And you need to make sure you know what you're going to see. By the way, if you want to learn more about hell and Hades, the lake of fire and the judgment... I did a message in a series called World and Chaos. It was the seventh message called Final Judgment, Will There Be Justice? And you can get that free on our podcast, download it, listen to it, and understand what is coming. All things born again. Dedicated religious sincerity is not going to cut it. Absolute requirement for the kingdom of God being born again. Born again, thirdly, refers to spiritual birth, not physical birth. Spiritual birth, not physical birth. Look at verse 4 through 6. Nicodemus is confused. How can a man be born when he's old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? It just doesn't seem to make sense for this religious ruler, well-educated Pharisee in Israel. He doesn't get it. He's trying to wrap his mind around this born-again phrase. And he thinks this is not humanly possible. Exactly. It's not. It's not possible for a grown man like himself to climb back in his mother's womb and start life over. You can't start life over. Or can you? Or can you? 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a what? He's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, what? The new has come. You can't start life over, or can you? I started life over. Who else started life over? Amen. God allowed you to start life over. You were born again. You can start life over. You can be born again. There is hope. There is hope for everyone on this planet. They can start over. You can be born again. We got to give people hope. We got to tell people they can start over. We've got to point people to Jesus and let them know they can be born again. That the Lord can make them into a new creation. Now, Jesus helps him out a little bit here in verse 5. He says, truly, truly, I say to you. This is the second time he's used that phrase. Verse 3 being the first one, verse 5 being here. Listen up, Nicodemus. Pay attention, Nicodemus. This is important, Nicodemus. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Okay, what does it mean to be born of water and the Spirit? Well, let's take born of the Spirit first. That's Fairly simple, more easy. To be born of the Spirit is to be born again. To be born of the Spirit is to be born from above. To be born of the Spirit is a supernatural birth. 
It's to become a new creation in Christ. That's what it means. Okay, well, what does it mean to be born of water and the Spirit? What does this water mean or represent? And there's different explanations that have been put forth by many scholars, much more learned than myself. And I'm only going to give you some of the more scriptural possibilities. To be born of water and the Spirit. To be born of water, one, it could mean this, natural birth. Physical, natural birth. A woman's water breaks. The amniotic fluid breaks and you're born physically. That's the most straightforward explanation and understanding of this text. To be born of water is to be born physically. To be born uh, uh, of the spirit is to be born spiritually. Secondly, some believe it means to be born of the word of God. How do we get water with the word of God? Ephesians 5.26, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. In other words, to be born physically, you need two parents. To be born spiritually, you need two parents, so to speak. You need the Spirit of God, John 3, 5, our passage here, born of water, and the Spirit cannot enter the kingdom of God. Well, what does it mean, water? How do you get water with the Word? We saw in Ephesians 5, washing of the water of the Word. But, but listen to these verses that deal with the Word of God and being born. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of Christ. James 1, 18, in the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. 1 Peter 1, 23, you, you've been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring what? Word of God. And so the water and the word, meaning the word of God. Natural birth, it could mean. Word of God, it could mean. Water could represent baptism of repentance. That's the third one. Not water baptism. We know that's unscriptural. We know no one getting wet is going to wash away their sins. It's the blood of Jesus alone that washes and cleanses us. No good deeds save us. We saw the thief on the cross. Was he baptized? No, but today he's going with me into paradise. So we know it's not about baptism that gets you there, water baptism. And Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says it's by grace you're saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Well, what is, what is this baptism of repentance? What do you mean, water that way? John the Baptist has been baptizing at the Jordan River, and everybody knows about it. John's been calling people to repent of their sins and be baptized in water, showing that they have repented. Matthew chapter 3. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 5, Jerusalem was going out to him. All Judea, all the district around Jordan. Everybody's going, everybody's talking about this. Nicodemus would have known about this. Verse 6, they're being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confess their sins. And so there's a, there's a, repentance and baptism that go hand in hand. So the water could represent repentance from sin. Acts 19, four, uh, 4. Paul would say, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in him. Peter proclaimed the same in Acts chapter two thirty eight. Repent and each of you what? Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And so the water and the spirit 
Water could represent natural physical birth. It could represent the word of God. It could represent baptism of repentance. Here's a fourth one. Comes from the Old Testament cleansing and transformation. Old Testament cleansing and transformation. And and some hold to this belief because of the fact Nicodemus should know his Old Testament. And Jesus seemed to expect Nicodemus to understand what he's talking about because later in the passage in verse 10, he'll say, are you a teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things? You should know your Bible better. So water and spirit we see come together in in the Old Testament showing cleansing and transformation. And you may say where? Ezekiel 36 and 37. In Ezekiel, Ezekiel 36, 25, we see water cleansing and a spirit filling. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean and I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit within you and I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes so that you will be careful to observe my ordinances. And so we see water cleansing, forgiveness, change, transformation, as well as the spirit. And then in the next chapter is the chapter of the valley of dry bones. Where Ezekiel is told to prophesy over this valley of dry bones. And there's a rattling and sinews and things are coming together. And then in verse 10. He prophesies as he's commanded and breath comes into them. And they come to life and stand to their feet an exceedingly great army. And we're told later in verse 14. I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life. Possible similarity in the New Testament is Titus 3.5. He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we've done in righteousness, but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration, cleansing of our sins, transforming us, and renewing us by who? The Holy Spirit. And so, quite possibly, this is what it means. We could see natural birth. We could see word of God. We can see baptism of repentance. And and we can see this cleansing and transformation in the Old Testament. And you may say, Pastor Scott, which one do you believe is the best explanation? Come back next week. No. (laughs) All all work biblically. They do. I I think some of these are a a further stretch than others. I'm I'm a real simple kind of guy. And so I I typically land on the most obvious one. Water, natural birth. Spirit, supernatural birth. But all of them could fit. And all of them fit biblically. Jesus will further explain things though in verse 6. And he says, that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Hey, listen. Only physical humans can produce physical humans. Only the Holy Spirit can produce spiritual transformation. John 1.12. But he, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but what? Of God. What does that mean? They were born again. They were born supernaturally all things born again dedicated religious sincerity is not going to cut it absolutely requirement for the kingdom of god born again spiritual birth not physical birth born again and born again number four is a miracle of god beyond full comprehension 
It is a miracle of God beyond full comprehension. That's what Jesus says. Look at verse 7 and 8. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. See, Nicodemus is amazed at this concept. Wait, I've been born physically. You tell, now you're telling me I must be born again. See, for us, we've heard this phrase our entire lives, most of us. Born again. Born again Christian. Born again believer. This is the first time it's ever used in the history of the world. And this is the first time Nicodemus is hearing it. Born again. So born again is this incredible truth to ponder. Spiritual birth, like physical birth. And and what does Jesus do? Jesus explains that it can't be explained. That's what he says. He says it's like the wind. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it. You don't know where it's come from, where it's going. So the wind is blowing. And you hear the wind blow. But you don't know where the wind has come from, and you don't know where the wind is going. The work of the Spirit of God is like the wind. He can't be explained. He can't be controlled. He is invisible, and he is powerful. He is the third person of the Trinity. He is God himself. And that's how it is with those who are born again and born of the Spirit. He says in verse 8, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. The work of the Spirit of God can't fully be explained. He is like the wind. The Spirit moves like the wind, and we don't know from where or to where he is moving. And there's a word play in the original Greek. And by the way, in the original Hebrew, it's the same. The Greek word is pneuma, the Hebrew word is ruah, and both can be translated wind or spirit. Both can be translated the same. And he says, you can't explain but you can see. You can see the results of the wind as leaves blow in trees and grass moves and branches sway. You can see the results of the wind. You can see the results of the Spirit of God. You can see lives changed. You can see people born again. See, you you can't explain the development, and the birth of a baby. And you can't explain spiritual development and birth. Both are mysteries and both are miraculous. Fascinating passage in Ecclesiastes 11. Just as you do not know the path of what? The wind. And how bones are formed in the womb of a pregnant woman. So you do not know The activity of God who makes all things. And so the wind and the womb are a mystery and a miracle. And so is the Spirit of God. When someone is born again, born by the Spirit, it is a mystery and it is a miracle that only God can get the glory for. This undeniable display of the spirit of the living God transforming a life and regenerating a life and causing someone to be born again is a mystery 
and a miracle. You must be born again. Why? Because dedicated religious sincerity won't cut it. It's an absolute requirement for the kingdom of God. Spiritual birth we're talking, not physical birth. And it is a miracle of God beyond full comprehension. And aren't you glad God did a miracle in your life, Christian? If you've been prompted by this message and are in need of a new beginning or would like more information about Harvest New Beginnings, visit at harvest.church.